Hello and welcome to Retrospectively Titled. Welcome back and this is our second episode of Retrospectively Titled. Uh, first I want to say thank you for everyone who listened to the first episode. Um, we're quite happy with what we received. Um, again it's me, me being Jake, Jake and Frank uh, and we are going to be again talking about film this week. How are we all feeling? How well, is everything going? I'm glad we've got the microphone problem there fixed. Uh, <laughs> uh, last Should week I, was, uh, I happened to be behind the microphone <laughs> thinking it was 360 and obviously it wasn't because uh, <laughs> I sounded like I was underneath the swimming pool or something. But we're all fixed now, hopefully. Teething issues are, we've got an over. Yeah, it was a pilot. Exactly. Um, and I'd also just, um, for the benefit of everyone who was very excited about this episode, like to uh, make apologies for Paul McCartney's absence uh, he did ring last night and he said he, he just couldn't make it in time because he was busy, um, I don't know, writing some new, new old man shit album that he keeps bringing out every year. So. Well, he's dead to me now. Uh, today we are going to be talking about villains, bad guys, the evil people in film. We are also, we are going to be discussing and debating whether their actions are justifiable. Yeah. As a villain. Um, I'm going to go first. I'm going to open it up with the most successful musical of all time, Les Mis. And my character is Javert I love Les Mis. from Les Mis. So first things first, he is a sort of French policeman, French chief in the police. And the whole story follows him chasing after this criminal known as Jean Valjean, um, with lots and lots of music, lots and lots of dancing, all with the backdrop of the French Revolution and a romance story. The reason why Javert is somewhat justifiable is because, number one, his beliefs. Uh, so the fact that he's quite a heavy Christian and sees that justice is um, sort of within that Christian, his, his Christianic discipline, and uh, the fact that those that cleanse their sins and sort of say sorry for their sins uh, go up to heaven, and the idea is that that, that justice system there is also something to do with Christianity with him, uh, and the fact that he, at the end of the day, is a policeman and he is chasing a criminal. At the end of the day, that's a good... Uh, that's at good the end of the day, at the end of the day, yeah. See, oh, yeah, I've got a good <laughs> reference in there. But... Um, in, in, Jumping in early, my perspective on Javert is that he he believes that he's right throughout it all, which I suppose could be a commonality between all of the all the people we're going to be discussing today. In through his Christianity, he he believes everything that he's doing is right and just and for the benevolent of God almost. Mm, and it's very his character, his his attitude to the character is very black and white. You're either innocent or guilty. A criminal or or a free man, you know, you've got that very sort of black and white attitude, and throughout the film, we see his sort of conflict within himself. Is there sort of good in a criminal? Is there bad? And it later sort of fight. We we later see the the biggest conflict within him, and him end up killing himself based on the idea that he's seen a grey area in this system. So, what made him the villain? What was his most sort of morally reprehensible act? Chasing down Jean, so Jean Valjean ends up looking after this very young girl called uh, Cosette, and Cosette's mum was a prostitute, and um, 
Jean Valjean promises to this um, woman that he will look after her daughter um, for as long as he lives, basically. Um, but the idea is that uh, Javert sees Jean Valjean as a thief, as a criminal, um, and is still sort of chasing him down. Um, I mean, the opening is him sort of getting almost to probation, isn't it? Well, I mean, is it Javert... Um, sorry, but Jean Valjean stole a loaf of bread and then essentially it, it spiraled from that. And then because he's therefore a criminal from that menial mm, thing that he did yeah, originally, yeah. He's, he's, Javert just sees him as a criminal. Men don't change sort of thing, yeah. Yeah, so although he goes on to try and um, do better things, you know, help help his kid after, his, after her mum's died, um, that's almost irrelevant to Javert. He continues to try and go get it. Go, go and get him. So he's the antagonist to the protagonist in, in the film, essentially. I've got a quote, um, a really quick quote. Uh, someone online, a big film reviewer, describes him as a ruthless totalitarian force, which I think, from what you said, is probably a fair judgment. Mm, especially in the scene with the French Revolution, because he's also in that sort of moment, which is where we also see him trying to chase Jean Valjean. Am I right in saying that it's Russell Crowe in the film? Yeah, yeah, Russell Crowe. Yeah. That is surely the most villainous act of... <laughs> it all <laughs> casting Russell Crowe in that role well it's it's very, it's very uh, debatable some people really love him in the role and some people really don't personally um, you know I know I'm going to get hate for this online and now we've got an Instagram page there's a lot more places for me to get the hate but follow, I'm, follow Retrospectively Titled on Instagram <laughs> <laughs> I really uh, I really liked Russell Crowe he's Javert he is controversial I think the the generic the generic take on his his acting in, in that was the acting was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. But it was his voice. It was, it was his singing. singing voice that kind of got everybody going, what, why is he, is he doing just as this character? Probably not. I I personally think he did a very good job in the role. Um, so, again, with the, with the idea that um, there's somewhat justification for what he did, um, I think, I think one of the main scenes where we see his self-conflict and the idea that um, there's a realisation um, sort of that um, he's been chasing Jean Valjean all his time and he realises that actually at the end Jean Valjean was protecting this young girl and that was Jean Valjean's duty to this prostitute and, and, and Javert realises that um, and realises that he's, he's sort of embarrassed himself um, I, there's a quote uh, Monsieur Le Maire I have a crime to declare I have disgraced the uniform that I wear. I've done you wrong. Let no forgiveness be shown. I've been as hard on every rogue I have known. So the idea is that he's now realising that there is a grey area. It's not black and white. And I think that almost justifies his sort of his 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 desire to get Jean Valjean because he's such a servant to justice. And I think that's quite a powerful moment in the film where we actually see there could be some justification there for his chase for Jean Valjean as a servant to justice and a servant to God. I think his character can be defined by the lyrics, those who follow the path of the righteous shall have their reward. So he fully believes that, but taking from... He also then... He doesn't believe that any former criminal, as we've said, can become a good man and refuses to take Jean Valjean's promise that he'll surrender to Javert... Uh, when, when after going to sort things out with the with, with the with the child that he's looking after, he's definitely um, 
a symbol of the sort of the totalitarian misguided authority um, and I would also suggest of misogyny as well he's this white male leader who is uh, raining down his tyrannical uh, force upon upon uh, the population um, and there's there's a moment he uh, drags Fontaine right am I saying that right Fontaine yeah Fontaine which is Cosette's mum, so Cosette's the prostitute. Mom, the prostitute yeah. yeah. So he drags Fontaine uh, kicking and screaming through the town, um, and she's crying for mercy, and he has an emotionless face, and he can't even sympathise with her, maybe because she's a woman, maybe because he believes what he's doing is so morally guided that he, has, he should have no mercy. Um, and I would argue that that sort of act, no matter who you are, dragging someone through a town whilst they beg for your mercy should release some element of emotion and sympathy and maybe it shows that potentially he's a bit of a psychopathic character to have to be so emotionless in a moment like that. I, I think, yeah, I get that. But I think in defence of Javert, I think once he sees someone as a criminal, he, it's almost dehumanised to him. He, he can treat them uh, as the law enforcer that he is. Once they've be, become a criminal, they're, they're not human in, in his eyes, so he can not mm. do with them as he sees fit, but he, he, he'll punish them um, so that they, they're punished in the eyes of the Lord and therefore g- can go to heaven. He probably sees himself doing them... He probably sees it as doing them a favour. Mm. I mean, also, to add some historical context, we're in the French Revolution... And this was a time where, I don't know, you could argue that justice was dealt differently. And there was, definitely. and it was still definitely a time where people were, you know, were sort of beaten on the streets and hung. And that idea of humiliation to the, to the justice system was massive. So the idea of dragging a prostitute through the streets, okay, yes, it's wrong in today's society, but French Revolution, I'm not sure that's frowned upon because as a criminal... You would have been dragged through the streets to, to everyone screaming your name to kill you as a criminal. That's what would happen. That was the way it was. And then you'd get guillotined. The, the whole idea of humiliation in the justice system was definitely very relevant in the French Revolution. And this is you know, the backdrop of this play film. We're, 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 we're not introduced to a, a man of family. We're, we're introduced to a lone ranger if you will you know an idle individual yeah yeah but someone who is solely a sort of you know he's been brought down by god to serve to serve justice to to be this police chief on that though i think one bit stands out to me he when he and um valjean uh haven't i think it's the confrontation he proclaims that he uh, was from the gutter too. Yes. So yes. his background. Oh, right. So it, that is spoken about. Then. It is spoken oh, about. Right. So he's and he says, "I was I, I was born with scum like you. I am from the gutter Good too." To like, yeah. So he is from a similar background to um, Valjean, which probably gives him the motivation of, of why he's what why he, what he's doing is right because he has come from the same background as this man, whereas this man has become a criminal and he hasn't, which kind of entitles him to what he's doing. In his mind. Could that not, or should that not have made him have a certain level of sympathy for those around him who are in, who, who are struggling? If he's from the gutter, he probably um, had, he was surrounded in an environment of people who were also in that position, who were, 
you know, potentially committing petty crimes and. But in a self-entitled man's mind, if he can do it, why can't they do it? If he's been from that same background and he's come through righteous and following the Lord, why, why, why have they gone down from a, a different path? Mm. Why, why, why are they allowed to become criminals and, and where, when he could follow the righteous path? Does that make him justified? I think it ju- does somewhat his justify head. his actions in his, in his head. I think potentially the problem is maybe his um, his role as an antagonist isn't as morally reprehensible as some of the other antagonists throughout cinema. So I would argue that I, I would argue that potentially we are supposed to understand him a little bit more than you would as another villain, especially seeing how he ends up. Um, you know, confessing his sins and mm. by the end. That's a very good point. That's a very good point. It, it, the, the story of Javert, you follow it from him being morally righteous to him then realising his wrongdoings and then committing suicide for that. So he almost doesn't justify his own actions. Yeah, and if, and if anything, we, we, we follow him more. There's more depth to our following rather than him just being a villain that, that does bad things over and over and over and over and over again. He's the antagonist. We know he's the antagonist. You know, a lot of the time in, in, in film, there may not be that realisation that Javert has, especially that deep-rooted one, that is that self-conflict between not only religion, but also the justice system. Mm. Um, it gives him justification, but it's, it's very, very different, and he's a very, very different villain for that. Mm. Is he evil? No. Is he a villain? No. See, my, my, my suggestion would be he's an antagonist rather than a villain. He's, yeah. the, he's the height of the Jekyll, even, of, uh, of Jean Valjean, potentially. He's the counterbalance to show the growth. And it's, it's really about the French Revolution. All right, I'm happy with that. So, uh, should we move on to you then, Jake? Who have we got? Well, I'll start with uh, Mr. Marvel, Mr. Purple. Mr. Purple Marvel, the big Mr. guy. Mr. Purple Marvel, the big guy, that guy, the guy with the fist with the diamonds in it. Uh, my first is Thanos. Now, straight away, in comparison, you would probably um, jail Thanos for a lot longer for his crimes than you would... Uh, I think it's... it's, it's fair to say that he is evil and he is the villain. He appears, how early? Avengers Assemble? Um, he's teased, teased in Avengers Assemble, yeah, yeah. I believe so. Yeah. After, after the credits. So, I, I, I don't a, know what number film that is. It's a good eight years in the making until Endgame where yeah. he gets his commitment. So, it's a, it's a very which, long-running evil versus good story. Which, which people, have, because of the big build-up, people have argued that he's the biggest villain or bad guy in modern cinema. It could be argued, yeah. Um, and that is really where I start. So being such an evil person and committing the crime he did, I mean, he so killed half the universe. Do you want to talk us through what he did then? Well, okay, so... well, <laughs> for, for those who don't know who's listening, who's never seen yeah, if the you, biggest if, film if ever. You, <laughs> if, you've been living, if you've been living under a rock or under a planet, um, this, this guy is, is pretty bad. Uh, he, so his childhood um, was pretty tough, actually. 
R sound effect put in there. <laughs> I'll be honest, I don't know much about his childhood. Having watched the films and not done my research on the background of him, um, he maybe, from my recollection, maybe talks about... Well, I think, his, his I think this is comic book based as well. Okay. So this is sort of him as a character across media rather than simply yeah. within the films. So, um, But on uh, Titan, where he was born... Um, he was born looking completely different to everyone else around him. He was born purple. Um, and his mum was so disgusted with him that she tried to murder him straight away. So that'll fuck with you. Um, I don't know if you've ever been... Tried, tried to be murdered whilst the placenta's still hanging. I uh, can't say I have. Tough. Can't say I have. No? You, that didn't happen to you? No, no, can't say I have. But... You've, be, you've barely squeezed out of the womb and you, <laughs> there's, a, there's an assassination attempt. <laughs> How does he remember that? Was he just being told? Did his mum tell him that she tried to kill him as he came out? He must have a brilliant memory. <laughs> well, of course he does. He's, it, have you seen the powers he has? He, he can remember whatever he wants. Um, on, uh, on Titan, as we say, he was, he was an outcast. He was, uh, he was never accepted because of his colour. So, intergalactic racism. Um, his planet was destroyed whilst he was growing up. So, he had a pretty tough time. He watched his home burn down, he had no friends, his mum oh, tried to kill him. Bless him. But you would be angry. So, my understanding from the films is that his planet burning or, or dying or whatever was due to overpopulation. Is that right? Yeah, that is right. So, his planet was overpopulated, it got burnt down, nothing to do with him, he was left in a, in a pretty dire situation. He then meets death, right? She wasn't interested in him. He fancied death. This, can I say, is all from the comics. This is not in the Right, film. no, yeah. But he meets death, she wasn't interested in him, so his plan to impress her was to summon her all around by killing half the universe. Now, the film differs because he has seen his planet die from overpopulation, therefore sees a solution to that, and to prevent all other planets having the same fate to then half the population, which will prevent overpopulation in the future for, yeah. for all, all kind. Yeah. He was an environmentalist. He voted green, um, <laughs> despite being purple. And he, he was, he was this, I mean, he was no different to, you know, the couple across the road that put their little banner out and recycle. I'd definitely say it's a better justification than trying to impress the personification of death. Well, it's a good job that's in the comic books. <laughs> we're talking about films. Even, though, even though the personification of death is pretty cool. It is very cool. It's right? very cool, but, you know... Yeah. They had how many films they couldn't put that in? <laughs> it's just not believable. Uh, the, re- the rest, yeah, yeah, yeah. All of it. It's like a documentary, that bit. Yeah. Mm. I, know Th- I know Thanos' childhood probably wasn't brilliant, you know. But it was. Um, I, I, not probably wasn't brilliant. I would say. What, it sounds like probably the worst childhood. Mm, some no. would argue that it goes some way to justifying his actions. Oh. But I'd, I'd also say that looking from the hero's point of view. They've had bad pasts as well. Yeah, but have they tried to be? Has their mother tried to kill them just as a coming out of? Her? I don't know. I haven't asked Captain America <laughs> yet. But the, you say bad pasts. I would say growing up on Earth already, you've got an advantage. Who's the rest? Thor, demigod. So. Yeah, actually, to be fair, I was thinking like Iron Man with his daddy issues, but actually he was oh, rich. Oh, what a tough, what a tough time mini- Iron Man. Has. My point is actually completely invalid. Um, <laughs> I've just realised. But let's all right. Let's think of this from a statistical point of view. He has seen his planet destroyed, blah blah blah. Right. I, I, I think him halving the population 
goes some way into elongating the existence of all of 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 not just humanity of all of all species. Mm-hmm. Therefore, he has ensured the survival and actually probably left uh, the, the number of people alive over the course of time more so than it was than it would have been if he left everybody overpopulate, die and uh, and kill themselves as he's seen on his planet. He's he's witnessed the end and he's trying to prevent it from everyone else. Is he trying to spare the blushes of the rest of the universe? So the the calculation here is has he saved more people than killed in mm. the long term? A, a real life comparison would be Genghis Khan who, as we know, didn't kill as many but killed quite a lot of people. Um, he actually created a period of um, the only ever man-made period in history of natural growth, uh, environmental growth, where things were able to um, rebuild themselves as they should naturally form. Um, and Thanos is trying to do that, really. Now, the big plot hole that came from the film was that, and it kind of takes away from all of, all of his just justification, was that if he has the power of reality, time, or all of the other stones that I can't remember off the top of my head. Why can't he just double resources, double space, double all of that? That Therefore, everybody that is alive at the time can go on living. Yeah, or, yeah, or if anything, cha- I mean, change his own reality and just live in that reality rather than the one with everyone in it. But the reality with one everyone in it still exists. By the laws of time travel within Marvel. that's explained in the, in that film, yeah. Ugh, time well, to, to double resources, to double resources, to double space, to double where people are living, therefore would let everybody stay alive and prosper. Mm. Surely that counteracts everything he's done in that film. Um, if you took a quintessential, lovely, um, hard-working person that you thought, oh, you know, I'd love to go for a coffee and a slice of cake with them, you would think. Uh, you know, maybe maybe they work really hard, and they, they maybe they donate to charity. Maybe they adopt. Aha, adopt. <laughs> Thanos adopts two children. He signed himself up to that intergalactic adoption agency, and he put his name down, and he wanted two lovely girls, and he adopted. He adopted Gamora and Nebula, um, which you would suggest that means he's a good guy, right? Well, I'd argue that later on. <laughs> He sort of, well, he uses one to get a stone. Let's go to, let's go to I think he used both Nebula and uh, Gamora as sort of, I don't know, not just sort of lambs to the slaughter. By the end of it, he just wasn't really bothered by either of them. But his original intentions were all right. Yeah, okay, adopted them and then later down the line was absolutely fine with killing one and the other one. As seen in the film, Nebula... He constantly tortures uh, because he's disappointed in her actions. Uh, Gamora, it, at the point of adoption, as you're calling it, and, and that being the good thing, <laughs> that is as he's killing half of her, uh, po- yeah. her kind. He's, as he's killing half of her kind, she strays from one of the sides. And yet, in his justification, he kills randomly. So he literally split the population in half and randomly killed one half. But it... The, 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 uh, Gamora came out of one of the halves he saw her wandering about and then took her under his but his then again like a wind. good guy would do but then again <laughs> and ad- her, her adoption present was a really cool 
double-ended knife. Mm. Now, that's pretty damn cool to me. For someone who's not really a Marvel head, just like watching the films, I think that's pretty damn cool. For someone who's never been adopted as well, oh. I feel like if I, was, if I had been adopted, I would have loved... Uh, a double-ended knife. But you can balance be, on one finger. Yeah, I no, would have got to happen. That. Got yeah. to happen. And yeah. to be trained as a mass murderer assassin, um, is that? And use well, a weapon. Well, let me put it this way: my mum taught me how to cook like three meals. So being trained as a mass murderer assassin is like <laughs> that's that's some serious father-daughter bonding. <laughs> I get the impression that Thanos only adopted Nebula and Gamora was to create weapons essentially to create foot soldiers yeah to kill and again little did he know that star lord was so gorgeous and uh, had great music taste <laughs> if you didn't know i rolled my eyes by the way you can't actually see have, me he does have great music taste no he does have great music taste but you know how people go mad about how gorgeous you don't think chris pratt's gorgeous i think chris pratt is good looking he's no He's no Chris Evans. Tune in for next week as we debate the um, sexualisation of Chris Pratt, the actor, and decide whether we undoubtedly think he is gorgeous. I can't (laughs) wait for him to join us. Chris Pratt next week. Yeah. Yeah. I completely forgot. I can't believe that's... I completely forgot. We've got Chris Pratt next week. He's really looking forward to it. Star of Jurassic World. Yep. Avengers. Yeah, that really... That 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 American show. The comedy... Um, Parks and Recreation? That's the one. Yeah. I think that's uh, it, yeah. 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 We should probably do a bit of research before we invite him on. <laughs> but, no, do stay tuned. Chris Pratt, coming your way. I just... I so, just... I've, again, I think we've strayed from this. I think his adoption of... <laughs> do you think we've strayed from this? <laughs> Chris Pratt aside, the eve, we'd strayed far before that. The moment you said, let's get back on track, we then went on to the adoption of his daughters, which is, again was irrelevant to, the, to, to his actions. But I don't think you can justify... I don't know. I think it's very, very hard, but I don't think, I think you can justify Thanos basically just getting rid of innocent people, you know, chopping a whole planet in half population-wise. And, and I just don't think it's f- fair, but I guess that is why he is a villain. That is why he is, he is the villain of the 21st exactly. century. He's so evil and so morally reprehensible that we consider everything he does unjustifiable. But when you think about it, when you actually sit down and take a look at his history as a person and his intentions, maybe within the disgusting, genocidal nature of his actions, maybe somewhere within that is a bit of us. <laughs> there's a little bit of me what, and you. something there's psychologically bit, yeah, you know a bit Freudian, Freudian yeah <laughs> the some, id we've all got a bit of Thanos in us <laughs> before we move on to our next one I want to just jump on a word that you mentioned there fair now yeah I understand that killing half of all existence isn't might as you might say fair but in the in the method in, in, in the method in his madness he tried to make it as fair as possible in the random randomization of it all. He wasn't he wasn't picking people. He what he didn't select who he was killing, who could stay alive. It wasn't personal to any of it. It was to elongate the existence of all all existing creatures, man, mankind, everything. In fact, the only personal 
um, sacrifice he made was his own daughter, which cost him everything. As he describes. But that's a I point. think that was the plan all along, though, really. I, d- I don't think it was. I mean, the idea Let's that Let's ask you... the man himself. He's here now! <laughs> Thanos! <laughs> I'm... Oh, he's just gone. <laughs> Where's Frank? That's annoying. <laughs> I'm happy to ponder on this as we move on to our next one. Jake, do you want to... Uh... Well, Javert was... I don't know, how do I describe him? My little, you know, bait. My little bait out there. Just so you sort of pondered on something. Sort of thought for, I've got an absolute weapon of a person next. Severus Snape. From probably, well, in my opinion, one of the, one of the greatest film franchises of all time and probably better than Marvel. Certainly very successful. Yeah, definitely. Our childhood. So, Severus Snape. He was a teacher for a very long time at Hogwarts after he had been there as a student. He was a Death Eater and a servant to the Dark Lord who we may not speak his name. Voldemort. Just in case the views... Yeah, just in case you didn't know, yeah, Voldemort, yeah, just in case you've been living under a rock again. John Joe Shelby. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Voldemort, yes. Um, He's on our third podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We've got got a full... Paul McCartney, Chris Bright, (laughs) Newcastle midfielder. (laughs) (laughs) We've got a full uh, line-up of guests to come. Um, I thought I'd throw that little reference in for our massive Newcastle FC. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, yes, so um, as a child, seeing as though uh, we've gone through the child of the Thanos... Uh, as a child, he was bullied by none other than Harry Potter's own father and Harry Potter's godfather, James Potter and Sirius Black. Um, so here's a quote um, from a uh, sort of a fan fiction site. Snape then essentially gets targeted by a cult, giving him a sense of belonging. <laughs> the cult being the uh, Death Eaters right. um, under um, Voldemort. Um, so, uh, there is going to be an argument here, and I know one of you is going to argue that Snape is not a villain. But in the early films, we get the impression that he is almost villainous. And the fact that he's a servant to the, the big dog, the main man Voldemort, gives him an element of villainousness. But I would argue... Villain. Well, vil- villainy. Villainy, yeah. I would yeah. argue, though, that in his most... Um, in the films he is, is most depicted as a villain, his actions aren't actually that bad. I Jumping on to that, he's seen as the villain in, let's say, the first, first, couple of, first few films. Three, four. All right, yeah. In which, at which point, maybe the fourth I'll take out of it. In the, in the first three films, you do not know that he's following Voldemort. You just think he's a bad teacher, which doesn't make him a villain. It makes him an antagonist. He... Okay. To Harry Potter's protagonist. But then we are shown in the sixth film that he is an advocate for not only killing, okay, we don't know, we don't know that he killed Dumbledore because Dumbledore told him. Let's pretend that, let's just go off number six. But, at the okay, moment. but adding to that, he had created a spell, Sectum Sempra, I think, mm-hmm. 
which was designed to not only kill but take apart yeah, a human a body. Yeah. Therefore, Dumbledore aside and the ambiguity around that, he had clearly had a past in which he had been murdering people to impress the Lord Voldemort. Therefore, can be described as evil. And maybe with the intention to hurt previous bullies. We're I would not sure. It's never sort of thrown in, but we are now making fan fiction. I, love well, I, would, just, take... I, would, just, I would just like to say, um, Frank's claims are alleged. Uh, we, we, we do not know for any certainty that Snape used that spell to kill anyone. In fact, the time that uh, it was uh, Harry <laughs> tried to use it, he, he stopped him. He said, don't use my own spell against me. Uh, he's he's a potions master. He's he's clever. He's smart. Um, we know by the end of it, he's actually a good guy. Would he really have murdered in such a horrific way, or was he just playing with his power? I think when you're a foot soldier to Voldemort, along with people like Lucius Malfoy, Bellatic, Bell- uh, Bellatrix Lestrange. I think there is, you know, although that we never, we, although we never saw Snape kill anyone, we know that, you know, them two could, we know them two had the, and, and Snape was within that group. There is an implication there that potentially Snape could have killed people, the same way that they did. I mean, he does um, kill Dumbledore. But there, he, do, he does kill Dumbledore. We do find out that his actions are justified. Which then does that give him? Uh, just does that make him? Justifiable, hey, yeah, justifiable. Um, another thing is with his villainy as a villain. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely looking at the sixth film because that's when I think we get a bit more depth with sort of Snape as a villain. He is almost an advocate to the demolition of a school that he was once a student at. Although he was bullied, it was, he was still a student there, and he was a teacher at. You know, Bellatrix is there running around this massive, beautiful school, smashing windows, trashing the place, and Snape becomes an adv- advocate for that. Also, we see that Bellatrix later on goes to Hagrid's house and blows it to pieces. Snape doesn't necessarily stop that, so the idea of him being a villain definitely shines through. Um, and adding from a point earlier, the the spell, the Sectum Sempra spell, Snape had created for use in retaliation against his enemies such as the marauders now the marauders are apparently remus lupin peter pettigrew sirius black james potter who are all the in in the group of good guys that that we follow but But essentially the group of bullies that made snape such a difficult character and, and, and someone who was easily influenced by Voldemort and the group that was Bellatrix and Bugs. We there is still no proof that he uses it against them. That's exactly the point I was going to make. We they all are all alive fact, yeah, when I mean, we meet them. Except, so he's except James, but we know we know the way he died. Yeah. Well, it wasn't but from Snape's mm, hand. But there is a potential. But the intention, intention is there. there, which. But then, okay, but then Harry, doesn't... Po- Harry Potter, our protagonist, use it, tr- tries to use the spell twice, successfully uses it on Draco. If it weren't for Snape, Draco would have died in that bathroom. So our protagonist is someone who's used this spell. And to counteract that, he doesn't know the spell. He doesn't know what's going to happen no, when no, he tries to cast it. But uh, as a point, he, to, to our knowledge, Snape hasn't used that to kill everybody. 
whereas the protagonist, the, the good guy, has. Yeah, and he true. used it in anger. True, true. So, um, examples that sort of justify Snape then um, to um, sort of, you know, obviously go into the justification of his actions as a villain. I know we've discussed that he's probably he probably might not be a villain. He might not be as villainous, and I'm getting the impression that my two aren't particularly villains. They're the sort of they're within a group of, or they play an antagonist to the protagonist. But uh, to justify it, number one is you know we we end up finding out in this beautiful delicate scene that um, Snape was out to protect Harry. There was that element of protecting Harry, and that scene in the third film where he puts Hermione, Ron, and Harry behind him uh, when Lupin becomes this were werewolf. Um, there's also um, the uh, just justifiable idea that we later find out that Dumbledore had to die and uh, Dumbledore encouraged that it would be Snape that killed him uh, based on the fact that Harry has to um, be alone in finding out that he, is, he has part of Voldemort within him. And then there's obviously the the love that we end that we find out Snape has for Lily, which I think is, which which makes his actions as a complicated character, a complicated villain, massively justifiable. Well, because it's hard to, not want to hurt your bully, but then love, your bully's yeah. wife. Harry po Harry Potter represents both the man he hated and the woman he loved yes. at the same time, yes. which is a very very difficult thing to go through. The one thing I would say though about his villainy is that. Um, just to take it on a film-by-film film basis, okay. film two, the villain is Tom Riddle through the diary. Okay, yeah. Film yeah. three, the villain slash villains is Sirius Black for a lot of it because we're not, we don't actually know yeah, he's, he's, he's Harry yeah, Godfather. Yeah, yeah. And the Dementors really are, are the villains mm -hmm. of that book. I would say from four through seven slash eight, if we're talking about the films, um, it's Voldemort. So I would argue and, that... And one. Because well, Voldemort's at the back of what's well, his face. Yeah, but I would argue that throughout one, we're led to believe uh, Snape right, is the villain. Yeah, so I would, right, I would yeah. say that he that is the film he is the villain in. But come end of film, we find out that we have been misdirected. And he was actually, take for example, Harry on the broom during the Quidditch match. Mm. He was uh, protecting. protecting Harry. Mm. So I, I would potentially argue that he has villainous moments... But we find out that the only other time we see him, apart from number one, which where, where we do find out by the end of the film that he is actually a good guy, or certainly someone who isn't as villainous as was being put across, mm. the only other film is Seven. And uh, Seven slash Eight. Why did they do two parts? Um, <laughs> but the only other is Seven slash Eight. And again, we find out by the end of Eight that he is... Well, throughout the entire Harry Potter narrative, the guy who is trying to... Beyond the, Dumbledore, but the only, trying the only, to protect the only, Harry. The only niggles I have with it, though, is he is part of the villainous group. Yeah. And to be part of... To have that membership card, you know, there is, there is an element of villain in you. There is an element of bad guy in you. But you, you, you... You've had to have done... You've had to have been on the side of Bellatrix yeah. or been on the side of Lucius or been on the side of these people I think that does make you bad I think that makes alright you're not Voldemort you're not the main villain okay but I still think if he was just a teacher I think you know it's alright okay mm. he's not a villain 
he's not a villain at all. He's just a teacher. If we saw him more of a slughorn, maybe. But he is part of... He's a Death Eater. He is part of this group that are the villains. He has clearly had to... And he has defended Bellatrix, who is undoubtedly evil. And with Lucius Malfoy, Malfoy he has not only defended them, he's backed them, he's kept them in jobs. Amongst children, for Lu- in Lucius's point, where they definitely are influencing it and... and harbouring evil amongst children in, in some Slytherin, whatever. Therefore, that could be construed as manipulative, evil, I don't know. But I have a few points on what we've, what we've discussed. I think, he, he, yes, he was bullied by James Potter and Sirius Black. Two, more in Sirius Black, a character that we have come to love and we are designed to love through the manipulation Which- of the screen and the book. But yeah, our perspective on Snape is designed to be skewed. Mm. So uh, it's manipulated or guided, at least, to, like, through our designed love for Sirius Black in, I I know the film, in the film, I don't know about the book. So we're designed to have love for these people that he hates, which immediately skews our perspective of him as a character. Therefore, we're, we're, we're manipulated in thinking that he's, he's evil, bad, or not the person we want to follow. Mm. Now, what we've discussed has, has shown that he's a complex and complicated character, but I don't think it's just showed him to be evil. However, I, I, can, I think a lot of his motives are justified by his upbringing. Or upbringing is probably the one word by 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 the history that we learn later about him. Of all the characters we talk about, and that includes the one we haven't yet, um, I would he's definitely the most sympathetic of the lot. He's definitely the one we love. Mm. I mean, whether he's a villain or not, but he is the like. In terms of justification, he probably has the most justification. It's just whether his his villainy is enough to balance and, and looking at our villains i mean we've 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 thought of something that's almost an oxymoron but also something that is in so many villains the idea that that you could say there's something justifiable by every, from every villain and i think at the moment it's all based off the idea of childhood which seems to play such a massive part in a in a yeah. in a villain's character so that's my that was my view on snape hopefully that's given you some food for thought frank that definitely has you, again, have all the power and actually just to sort of say I'm losing. So It is 1-0 um, in the series. It is 1-0 in the series. And if, if, you, if you don't know why it's 1-0, make sure you go back and you check out the first episode, uh, which, was, which was all about uh, music instead of film. Uh, definitely give that a check out because it's a very interesting listen. Nice little plug. Yeah. Nice, like that. Uh, so shall we move on to our last one? Um, moving over again to you, Jake. Yeah, other joke. I am <laughs> gonna go for um, Max Magnus Magneto from the X Men series. Is that his name? No, it's all <laughs> his personas in one. Um, so he's, he was born Max though in Poland as a Jew. Now you have a go at him. Go on. Was he born? Or did he go through the Holocaust? Is that my... Is that yeah, so, so he did end up in a concentration camp with his family. His parents were killed during, uh, during that period. Um, and uh, he has the, the number on his arm tattooed, um, mm-hmm. which is shown in the film. Um, so, God, 
try not to sympathise with somebody. Because isn't, isn't there that moment in the film? Is it the opening of I can't remember which X Men because they all blur into so one. So this I think is yeah. first class. But uh, is this is this the moment where um, he's in the he get he's in the concentration camp and they're trying to pull him away, and when he screams the um, yeah, yeah, he, yeah he pulls the 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 wire fencing towards him. Yeah, and everyone goes, "Oh God, this guy's pretty yeah, he's mad." Serious. Yeah, he 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 means business. Why does that give him motive to do go on and be evil if that is happening not just to his mutant kind but to everybody? Well, I can tell you for why. <laughs> um, so uh, during this period, um, the, it, it, this sort of hatred and anger going through such a terrible experience, almost similar to to Thanos, and you could argue Snape. Um, they charge his uh, ability to bring out his his mutant powers. Um, just a quick side note: uh, when he he had a daughter, Anya, adopted the uh, alias Magnus, and um, whilst uh, a group of people were trying to track him down because he was a mutant, um, they ended up burning his house down in his village, um, and it killed her inside. And he watched it happen, um, which is. Pretty horrible thing to go through. But the reason he is um, so dead set on uh, cre- creating the split between mutants and humans and uh, almost defeating the humans so that mutants can live as a peaceful race um, is purely based on what he went through as a child. He saw what it was like to be treated differently and the effects it could have on you. And he was so angry at what could happen, he was desperate for it to not happen again to him or any of his kind. He is essentially Malcolm X. He is the Malcolm X of of the mutant world. He has an anger against mutant phobia, you could call it. Because mutants are treated differently to humans. It's almost racism. So not only is he a Jew in Poland who went through the concentration camp, he's also being racially segregated in modern day society which is which? What the X Men franchise is a is a metaphor for. So I'd, I mean, add into that, I'd say that he he sees his kind, and by that I mean the mutants. They're being oppressed as as a species, as a as a, as a kind of as a kind by humanity, who he deems as a lower lower in the evolutionary scale, which is understandable. Now. Why, in his in his justification, why should the superior being be oppressed? And he tries to rise the rise up his kind to uh, oppress and then rule. Now, I put to you: Is that not what humanity has done to all other species? If he's just doing what humanity have done, and they're they're the the superior. So all he all he's doing is fulfilling the what? natural food chain of life. Exactly. So. Certainly justifiable. Mm-hmm. I mean, on a human level, isn't he? You know, he's not searching for. Uh, he's not searching for an equal world where both mutants and, and, and humans can live harmoniously. No, he's not. Martin he's, King. He is. He is looking for. Let's have our mutants rise up, yeah. rule, and sort of. I don't know. But, I don't. But driven because they were oppressed. Mm. It wasn't yeah. that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It wasn't that yeah. humankind wanted to live in harmony. They got scared and oppressed, yeah, which think... drove this behaviour. How are you going to counteract his just justification of the character? 
Well, the idea is, I don't want to compare him to a singular Austrian dictator, but... You're going to compare him the, to the same, The same person <laughs> that killed his parents. The same person that killed his parents. But the idea that Hitler, okay, was oppressed in an oppressed society. He was sort of, you know, he lived his life, grew up, and saw that um, you know his mum died, and it was a Jewish person who told. This is this has become a very his, history based. <laughs> That's fine. Episode That's this fine. week we've looked at Genghis Khan. <laughs> we're now in the world of very Hit- superficial. We're now in the world. Of, <laughs> we're now in the world of Hitler, and I'm quite nervous. But the it's, idea that you know, a Jewish man told Hitler that his mum is dead, and Hitler, as a very young boy back then, went, "Oh, that's a Jewish man." who's essentially not helped my mum. Oh, no. Hitler was a very, very good artist. Um, What's that got to do with anything? Hold on, hold on, (laughs) let me get to it. Hitler was a very good artist, and um, he wanted to go to art school, um, and a Jewish man didn't let him into art school. So he spent a lot of time um, growing up. I can't believe I'm talking about Hitler in our podcast. But he spent a lot of time growing up Hitler, um, being sort of argued against, um, a, not oppressed by, but sort of but argued with against by the by Jewish people, I'd and he gained this hatred for them, which is what Magneto has done. Not not with not with religion, you know, with with Judaism, but he's done it with mutants. I see what and you're doing. Seen that there's a there's a. I'm, very, know, I, I'm not. What, you're, what, trying, you're trying to claim that I sympathise with Hitler, aren't you? No, no, I'm not saying that at all. That's I'm not, not true. I'm not saying that at all. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm very nervous right now. The, the, <laughs> the oppression of Germany after the First World War is essentially what gave rise to the, got what what enabled Hitler to give rise to, to the power that became yeah. uh, Nazi Germany. Mm-hmm. And what I think we're arguing here is that through Hitler's oppression of a kind essentially spawned Magneto who then tried to do exactly the same of oppressing a kind. Can I just say thank you Frank for explaining that in a better way than (laughs) me going through the history of uh, Hitler's childhood. I wouldn't say they're the same thing though. I definitely wouldn't. I would say um, I would say Magneto no no I definitely would say Magneto is Malcolm X. He is not Hitler. He is someone who is trying to, through certain force and potentially without, without uh, well thought through reason, he is trying to um, impose a sense of belonging and authority to a minority people who have been oppressed for as long as he can remember. He witnessed what it was like to be... Um, to be charged uh, and slaughtered for believing in something um, that was not your fault is something essentially he grew up with, being Jewish. Um, And he then went on to be oppressed for something else that he was born with that wasn't his fault, his, his mutant power. And all he wanted to do was put an end to the suffering of his kind by encouraging them to use their own power that they're born with, that they are told to ignore and told to get rid of. He wanted to use that power itself, the oppressed power, to gain respect and demand a a 
sense of belonging within a world that didn't accept mm. him. That's where he's different. But also, but also in the same breath, kill humans that can't help that they're human. Mutants can't help that they're mutants in the same breath that humans can't help that they're human. But so hum- him rising and... But humans are the oppressors. Mm, I guess so, yeah. I'm not justifying genocide. I'm not. Just we're, like we're, I we're, 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 past, to... we're past that with Thanos. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. We're not just. We've already been there. (laughs) The actions are not justifiable, but his intentions, I think, are 100% justifiable. Mm -hmm. But I think that's an important point to clarify because, in in all, I'd say all of these characters, maybe bar Snape, we're. I'm going to judge it on not how they went about what they did, but the intention to what they're doing. Yeah. Well, I think that's completely fair enough. And what they do is inherently evil. That's why they're villains. That's, yeah, that's why they are in the villain category. Yeah. So, you've all, you've both put your points towards two characters, I think, very well. I'm very much conflicted, more so than I was last week. I'm definitely struggling. I've up my game this week. I'm definitely struggling. I've up my game. In, in weighing this up. You should have brought Rihanna up again. That would have been I should have brought Rihanna up again. <laughs> Madonna, that'd be great. Yeah, I mean Madonna's pretty villainous. Join us next week, Madonna and Chris Pratt. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm going to start with Snape. Watch your nervous. Snape, oh, I think is is the most misunderstood and probably the most justifiable character in all of his actions that we see and hear about. But. At the end of the day, yes, he might be an antagonist, but I don't think he's a villain or, or evil in any way. So, I'm going ha- to have to take him out of it. <sighs> I'm devastated right now, because I thought that was my little golden bullet. You've got, you've got one left. Now, oh, I'll go is. to Thanos. Oh! I think... I think... I can understand his motives, which again goes some way into justifying it, in that he has tried to elongate existence for certain species. However, you would... I think the argument that doubling resources is just logical to the point that it almost (laughs) makes his... It almost makes his actions pointless. Therefore, I'm taking him out of it. You've taken out... Probably the the biggest villain in the biggest film franchise you, in the biggest film. You tried to take ever. out Thanos. You should have gone for his head. <laughs> <laughs> now we've got Javert and Magneto left. French Revolution versus, versus the Holocaust. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> me. Right. So I'm still struggling with my decision on the last two. So before I make my judgment on that, I'm gonna. I would say two people I'm surprised that haven't been haven't been mentioned. I'll be honest. I mean, I mean the obvious one. I'm sure that most people thought would be brought up is the Joker, and then the other uh, Maleficent. You know the 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 new films that have been brought out. I've not seen the second one with Angelina Jolie. Um, kind of do justify all the actions that you see in. Is it uh, Sleeping Beauty? Is that the one? That yes, yes, Sleeping Beauty. So, yeah. After your honourable mentions, there now is. And now it's the decision <laughs> between these two studio lights. Well, between Javert, I think, and 
Magneto. Magneto at a human level. What he does is evil and isn't misunderstood. He, he tries to oppress a full, a complete people um, by means that cannot be justified. Whereas Javert is completely justified in everything he does in that his upbringing and he's almost forced upon himself this superiority in that he has abided the law. But, don't say but, looking at it from a top-level perspective in evolution and species, I think Magneto is completely justified because they are the superior race. That's exactly what humanity have done. And if we can't justify our own existence, then what are we? Therefore, I'm going with Magneto. Oh, 2-0. Rich me apart. That was Rich a very close apart. one. <sighs> but we have said that potentially Magneto is the most justifiable villain in cinema. Right. Well... I'm exhausted now, and I've done all this with a burnt tongue. Right, uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, hopefully you enjoy this one. Uh, and we've got Chris Pratt in next week. Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt. He is coming to our house. Yeah. <laughs> COVID or no COVID, we're getting Chris Pratt. He's, Don't you worry. He's super. He, COVID he's, doesn't he's, he's Star-Lord. Star COVID, exactly. COVID, 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 COVID don't hurt him. COVID don't hurt him. He's even stroked dinosaur. What did you just say? He stroked a dinosaur. Right, and we'll leave it on that. He even stroked dinosaurs. Thank you very much, guys, for listening. <laughs> stay safe. Stay hydrated. A lot of love. <laughs> <laughs>